pretty cool when you're kind of up here and you could hear hear your guys' awesome voices uh, coming out. So I know that that the worship team, that especially Joey, that feeds off of that as uh, you guys get in the worship. So anyways, thank you all for uh, taking some time out to come and worship the Lord with us on uh, this beautiful sunny morning that's supposed to be full of rain. So somebody's praying hard, right? So we just uh, we're thankful for the sunshine right now. I hope you guys will get out and enjoy that today. And we're thankful for the moms that are here today. And uh, this this message, um, I think it's going to uh, pertain to the moms. But we're going to continue on with Gideon. And uh, and I, I couldn't figure out what to name this thing or what the title of this thing. So uh, it could be like start with the answer. It could be uh, expression of the week. It could be all those things. Hold on, let's wait for George to finally be here. <laughs> I'm just kidding, George. Oh, you're getting back next Saturday, right? <laughs> Anyways, I have some verses up here on the screen. I know that you guys can't turn into one of them, but I just want to read these to you. In Genesis 22, verse 1, it says this. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham called God. Yes, he replied, here I am. Genesis 31.11, then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, yes, here I am. Then in Isaiah 6.8, it says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. You guys did the theme yet? 1 Samuel 3 and 7 through 11, it says, Samuel did not know, uh, did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called the third time, and I think that sometimes that happens to us, right? Is, is that we kind of have to learn to hear God's voice, and we have to learn to hear from the Lord. And so it says, so the Lord called the third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli, here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who had called the voice, so he said to Samuel, go lie down again. If someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. How many of you say that? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You get get told to do something, you're like, oh, I'm just going to ignore that. And he tells you again, I'm just going to ignore that. He tells you again, I'm just going to ignore that. And then finally, you're like, all right, speak it, Lord. I'm listening. So uh, so it says, so Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing that actually says in Israel, but I left it blank because I believe that's in your life as you begin to listen to us. As you're opening yourself up, as you're saying, speak, for your servant is listening, then the Lord says to you, put on your seatbelt, because I'm about ready to do something. How many of you are ready for that today? Everybody's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. How many of you like to go on a roller coaster? All right, there you go. Put on that seatbelt, because you're about ready for that roller coaster, right? Something I was uh, stuck on meditating this week was this question. And I'm going to ask you guys this, and you guys try to figure it out, because I could. Does it start with the call, or does it start with the answer to the call? Does it start when God actually starts calling you, or does it start when you actually answer that call? That's kind of what I was stuck on, right? Like, in your life, when does it really start? Does it start when God starts pressing into your heart something so much that you can't ignore? Or does it start when you actually quit ignoring that and start doing what he calls you to do? I know there's been various things in my life that God's called me to do. And uh, for me, the 
stirring in the life usually happens when God starts to call me, when he starts to press it on my heart because for some reason I just can't ignore that God. You know, he just keeps on just going after me, going after me. Jay, I don't want you to go and do this. Jay, I don't want you to go and say that. Jay, I don't want you to go over here. And for me, it begins when the call begins. I remember one of my first calls in the ministry, which was, uh, I'm looking back on it now, and it was actually a really good call. But it was actually um, going over and sitting at the stairs, on the stairs on the outside over there at Rim Church. And I'd go over there on my days off. God would call me to go over there and just sit on those stairs and pray. I had just started going to that church. I uh, wasn't involved in any, in any ministry whatsoever. But for some reason, I'd been called just to go sit on those stairs. And so I'd just go sit over on those stairs, and I'd just pray. I'd pray for the pastor. I'd pray for the movement that was happening on the inside. I'd pray for God to stir the hearts. And this went on for months. God would just send me over there every single day that I had off during the week, and I would just sit there and pray. That was the beginning of the call of ministry. And so you may think like, well, that's not a huge ministry, but it actually was because God will test you on these small things before he starts to send you out to do bigger things. He wants to make sure that you're willing to go and seek him and listen to him and pray for others before he'll even start to send you out to do the things that he's called you to do. So speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said, send me, said to you, I'm about to do a shocking thing. And I think about the moms. And I truly believe that a mom is such a calling. How many of you agree with that? Uh, to be a mom is a calling, isn't it? And for some moms, they've been able to make that decision to become a mom. Like, okay, I'm ready to go ahead and have some kids now. So let's go ahead and we'll plan it here. And we'll have it here. And then I'll become a mom. Some, some moms, that's happened, right? Any of you moms have, have happened to you? Like, okay, it's time for kids, right? So you do that. And then there's the moms that didn't really get the choice to become moms, but they welcomed the choice that was chosen for them, right? And so the children that weren't planned, but they embraced the fact that they were pregnant and they were excited about being pregnant. It just wasn't a planned thing. And then there are the ones who became pregnant, tried to ignore the pregnancy, but for some reason this pregnancy began to show and they just couldn't ignore it and the baby was coming no matter what, right? And then there are the ones that have desired so bad to become a mom and haven't had that privilege. And I have to tell you, to be honest with you, that I met some of those, those people, and it aches and hurts my heart. And this is very similar <coughs> to how the call comes with the Lord. If some desire it, then they're able to get right into it. Like, oh, I desire to go into ministry. And so they just jump right into it. God blesses them, puts them into a ministry, they embrace it, it's good. And then there's those others that ministry is actually chosen for them. Like, okay, I'm going to place you here, and you have no choice. And so you just have to embrace it, because that's where you've been placed. And then there are the ones that are called to the ministry, and they just ignore it. And they just keep being more and more pregnant, and more and more, it's like recognizable, to where you're like, come on, man. Come on, woman, get into the ministry. You've been called for this. And then there are the ones that desire it so much, and they just want to get into certain ministries so bad, and for whatever reason, they just never get called into that ministry. Well, today is a day to celebrate the moms across the board. Do you guys agree with me on this? Today is a day to celebrate the moms. And I know that it's such a bittersweet day today because uh, it's sweet to celebrate, you know, like as a mom, maybe if you're a mom, it's sweet to celebrate that. It's, uh, it's sweet to celebrate the moms that are around us. 
but then it's bitter for those like young men become moms, bitter for those who um, whose moms may be a cast and so today that they often reflect to their moms uh, not being with them. And it's um, bitter also like for ones who just had terrible moms and they just don't like to celebrate this day because they didn't really have a mom that was worth celebrating. And so today, I'm not going to give the typical Mother's Day message that I like to give, but I'm not going to ignore it either because for me, it's a very special day. I have great women in my life that are just great moms, and I like to celebrate them on a special day. So can you guys just celebrate for a moment? Moms, I promise I'm not going to make you stand up and embarrass yourselves. But I just want us to thank you, moms. I really appreciate So last year we started a series of Gideon, and we're going to continue to go through that. And last week we looked at what was happening to the children of Israel and how they cried out. And then the Lord sent this prophet. Remember how he sent a prophet to remind them of some things, to bring them a message. So this prophet comes and brings them this message. And I'm not going to get into that because if you missed last week, then shame on you. You can listen uh, on uh, whatever, Facebook or SoundCloud or whatever. But today we're going to pick up where uh, the angel of the Lord comes to deliver this special message to a man named Gideon. One who will answer the call and his life and the ones around him will get stirred. So turn your Bibles to Judges, Judges 6, and that's so funny, before I start writing this out, I thought that we were going to be able to cruise through like 20 verses, but we're actually going to only get through three today. So uh, we're going to look at verses 11 through 14. So it says this, in Judges 6, verse 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the cherubim tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Amorite while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our father told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So we're going to stop right there. So we start out here in verse 11, just recognizing that this angel of the Lord comes and sat under a cherubim tree. So for, like in the New King James Bible, it has the A as the angel. It has that. In capital letters. You guys see that? How it's in capital letters. The angel of the Lord came. So the angel of the Lord, so this is actually a pre-incarnate of Jesus. So this is Jesus coming before his actual incarnation. And so we know that, that Jesus was there from the beginning because it says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So Jesus was from the beginning. So we get that, and so we see through the Old Testament that Jesus makes, you know, periodic, he'll make some presentations of himself. And so this is one of those, and we'll get more into this a little bit later on. But what happens here is before this section is we see the prophet come and give this message. And so now the prophet comes, gives this message, and now it's followed up by Jesus, followed up by the word. And so a lot of times you may have people that will come up and they will give you a word. They'll say like, 
hey, the Lord was telling me this, this, this. And so it's like the prophet that's coming and speaking into your life. But then you have to make sure that it's backed up by the word. You have to make sure that it's backed up by Jesus. And so that's what we're seeing here is we're seeing the word spoken by the prophet, and now we're seeing it backed up by Jesus. Well, the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree. And so this tree was like this large tree. It's about 20 to 25 feet tall, and it had just these amazing branches that would come out. They'd be these different colors. It'd be, I think it was like red and orange, and then you have, of course, the green. And they would come out, and they'd have like these little clusters of like berries. And so I just imagine like Jesus just coming up and just sitting next to this tree, just kind of leaning on this tree, and, and just sitting in the shade and just kind of resting and thinking, oh, I've created this. You know, I'm just going to rest in this. You ever think about how God just created everything in this world? You know, like he was the creator. And so he comes and he's just resting on this tree. And I think that's a great thing for moms to remember today, that today is a day for you guys to rest. Today, today is a day for you guys to relax. Like, you go find some shade and just sit in it, you know, and just relax. Like, like you guys, I know that you're not the, the ultimate creator of your children, but you guys had a big part in that. So let your children serve you today, and you just rest in that shade, right? <laughs> Good. Then we're told, this is, I thought was interesting, then we're told where this tree is from, which is Oprah, not to be mistaken with Oprah, right? You guys kind of look over that and you're like, Oprah, I don't know there's too many trees. There it is. Oprah, and this tree belonged to Joash, who is the dad of Gideon. So Oprah, as I started to look at this location of this, it's located west of the Jordan River. Okay, and so once again, I kind of got stuck on that. Like it's, it's located west of the Jordan River. The east side of the river became known as the place for the weak to go to. So like David, when Absalom came after him, David escaped, and where did he go? He went to the east of the Jordan River. So it kind of became a place of escape, a place when, when you feel weak, when you don't feel strong, when you feel like you need to run, this became known as that place, the east side of the Jordan River. But also remember when the Israelites were crossing over into the promised land, they had to cross over from what? From the east to the west. So they had to cross over this Jordan. They had to make it over. And so part of the tribes, if you remember, they decided to stay on the east side. Remember, they came to that place, and they're like, man, this place is awesome. This place is going to take care of our family. We're just going to settle here. And so they just decided to settle. So there was three tribes that decided to settle. And those tribes were Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They decided to sell because this place, they just wanted to, um, to look at this place and they could see like all the grass, everything that was going to take care of them. And so they kind of became content in this place. And I think that what happens is that so many of us that will settle, we'll get into this place, we'll come up to this area and we'll be like, oh, this is a place where I want to settle. Well, really God wants you to keep going and he wants you to cross over. But you just... Kind of settle where you're at. You kind of look around. And you're like, okay, this this will do. You know, like like I could I can handle this for the rest of my life. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna settle. And you do the settling in the name of being content. And I'm not saying that being content is bad. It's actually Paul tells us to be content in the Bible, right? Over and over and over again, we're told to be content. But unfortunately, I think that we settle in the name of being content when really we're not content. We're just settling because we're scared. Maybe we're scared to cross over to the other side. We're going into the unknown. And so because we're going into the unknown, we don't want to go into the unknown, so we'll just settle. Maybe we're scared because 
you think that there's not going to be enough because remember there's both tribes there's a lot of people that were going and so maybe you're thinking there's not enough for me on that other side and so i see that there's enough for me right here so i'm going to settle right here and god can god supply for all of us like if god was to call millions of us to this one spot I believe that he would take care of each one of us in one of our needs. And I think that some of us have gotten complacent. Some of us have just become to settle because we're afraid of the unknown. And maybe today God has called you to more. Maybe today God wants you to cross over. Maybe that unsettledness is there because he's placed that in you. Because he doesn't want you to settle. He wants you to keep going. So going back to my first question, does it start with a call or does it start with the answer to the call? So we keep reading on in the Bible. So it says that Joash, who is Gideon's dad, was on the west side of the Jordan. And the interesting thing is, as you look at Joash, as you look at Gideon, was that he's from the tribe of Manasseh. And we read that half of the tribe of Manasseh stayed on the east side. So maybe Gideon's dad, maybe Joash, wasn't part of that half. Maybe Joash decided that even if he was part of half, that he wanted to cross over, that he wanted to push himself through. Maybe that you, you think about this and you think about, okay, so Joash was part of that half tribe that was supposed to stay over there and he never crossed over, but then all of a sudden he decided to cross over because he's like, I'm not going to let my family hold me back. I'm not going to let those things that happened in the past hold me back. And I think that some people will just reflect on the past and be like, well, my mom this or my mom that or my grandpa this or my grandma that or my great, 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 great grandma did this and that's come all the way down to me so therefore I'm not going to do that because of that. And I think that some people will look at their past and they'll settle because of their past. But I love the fact that Joash didn't settle. I love the fact that Gideon didn't settle. Because God wanted him to cross over, and so they crossed over. God wants you to cross over. God wants you to not be complacent and not be settled. And I do believe that so many of us will lean on our past, and never God will, will just use that as an excuse. Well, I wasn't raised the way that you were here. You know, I wasn't raised in this great, healthy Christian home. And if you know me, then you know that that's not the case. I think that each one of us, each one of us will have our disabilities that will hold us back. Each one of us, we will have these dysfunctions that will hold us back. And each one of us can come up with a great excuse and use those excuses to hold us back. But it's time to quit using those excuses and cross over. So remember, now we see uh, Joash, Gideon, Joash's son Gideon, and he's threshing wheat, right, in the wine press. And it says here that he's doing this, uh, that threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So remember last week how we read how these Midianites would come and they would take over everything? Bless you. And not only would they take it all, but if they didn't take anything, then they would destroy it as well. So not only would they, uh, they, would, they would take all the goods, but if there wasn't enough, that enough room for them to take, then they would just thrash it, right? They would just count it down so that it would be unusual. So here we read of Gideon being in this wine press. And the wine press would typically only hold just a few people. Normally, like the threshing of the wheat, it would be done in this great open field. 
And so they would all come together and they would all just, just thresh the wheat together. They'd be in this open field. And so as they would thresh it, then the, the wind would just come by, the breeze would come by, and it would just take the chaff, right? It would take the stuff that wasn't supposed to be there. And so threshing wheat would, would be kind of like, like counting them, right? Like counting these things and removing the kernel of grain from the stock, and, and this would be done by just beating this grain. It would also be described as separating. You know how, how you have to separate things sometimes. You have to separate it. And so as I picture this, like on a normal occasion of them just threshing this wheat as I picture this, I think of just this great big open field and everybody coming together and they're just taking this wheat and they're threshing it and they're just kind of like talking to each other as they're doing their work. You know how it is, like when you just have this work going on and when you're all together, you're all doing this work and things are just great and you're having these great conversations and you're, you're cheering each other on like, don't get tired, don't get tired, keep on doing it, you know, and you're just egging each other on. It's just a great thing. And so I picture that. Something that you're doing, and it's hard work, but you know that in the end, there's going to be something valuable out of that. Do any of you ever work together to do that? Like, even as a family, like, you have a family cleaning day, you know, and, and you go in there and you clean the house, everybody hates it, but you know that in the end, you're going to have a clean house, right? Doing yard work. How many of you are looking forward to doing all those tiny ones right now? You're going to want to all get together and like, hey, let's go to your house, let's go to your house, let's go to your house, let's all do this together. And hopefully you'll be the very first one that gets your yard done. <laughs> so threshing is usually done together. So think about this. In the church setting, sometimes we'll just all be open, right? And we'll all just thresh. We'll all allow the Lord just to thresh in there, just to beat the stuff out of us. You know, just to get in there and the stuff that shouldn't be there. We just allow the Lord just to thrash us, just to kind of have us and beat us against the wall, you know, until it just, the kernels start coming out, you know, and, and we get rid of the bad stuff. And we could do this as an open, you know, as a corporate, as Joey was saying, we corporately come together, and we're just in this open field, and we're just allowing the Lord just to move on each one of us. And we don't care, you know, we're, we're, we're like, whatever, like, this is just awesome, break me, Lord, speak to me, you know, do whatever to me right now, Lord, I'm, I'm with my family, I'm in this open field. Just go ahead and do this. So we do this openly. But then there are times where we want to be alone with the Lord, right? We want to be in the wine press where it's just like us and the Lord. Or maybe just us and one other person in the Lord. You know, so we're, we're in this wine press and we're just allowing the Lord just to do his work on us when we're alone. You really need both. You need to have the open and you also need to have the aloneness. You need to have the corporate, but you also have to have the aloneness. So not only do you come here on Sundays to be open and corporate, but you also have to have your own worship time, just like you would do here on Sundays. But in the open field where the threshing would usually happen, they would be there for one another. They'd help each other out, right? But then as we read at the Midianites before this, what were the Midianites doing? As they were encamping all around. And any time that anything began to bud or blossom, they would come in and they would snag it and they would take it away. The enemy would come in and grab it and take it away. And so that caused Gideon to be alone because he didn't want anything to be stolen or anything to be taken away because he just knew that the enemy would come and destroy it. And I really believe that that is happening in the churches today. As you see, as the enemy is encamping all around us. And so anything, anytime that anything begins to bud or blossom, anything that anytime that anything begins 
to, to be amazing is the enemy will come in and what are, what are we told that he does? He kills, he steals, kills, and what? Destroys. Steals, kills, and destroys. And so as this is happening in the churches around, and as we allow the enemy to come into our lives, to steal, kill, and destroy, then what happens? Is we shrink down into that wine press, don't we? And we begin to have these things happen around. And so that just is destroying the churches today from being so open. And so you come here on Sundays and you allow the Lord to do a little bit of work. But as soon as he starts to work, as soon as things start to bud, as soon as things start to blossom, then you allow the enemy to just come in and snag it from you. And so you shut back down and you don't allow the Holy Spirit to really move in you. And so you're shutting him off. As soon as he begins to do these things, you shut him off. And why is that? Because you're afraid. Because you've probably been hurt. You probably open up to somebody and you've been hurt and they've come in and they've stolen. You've, they have allowed the enemy to come in and steal all those things that you began to open up to. And so because of that, you just come here on Sundays and you just get excited and you just allow them to move. And then as soon as you walk back out, then you just kind of shut back down. And I think that that is really a tragedy. A tragedy that is happening in the church today. I know for us as a family, like we've just been going through some crazy, crazy attacks. The junk that is being said, the critics that are out there, friends of ours that are just being critical. And it's like, wow, what's going on here? And so what does that have, have having to do with our family? Is our family is having to kind of shrink down into the wine press. And so in that wine press, things are still happening, right? We see that Gideon is still doing what he's called to do, but he shrunk down into this wine press. Because he doesn't want the enemy to come in and still kill and destroy. What about you guys? What is God doing in you guys? Is he allowing you to be open? Like where you can hang out and open field? Or have you had to shrink yourself down in the wine press? I believe that this is something that each one of us need to repent from. That each one of us need to change from. That each one of us need to turn from. Either one, being that critical person. Or two, being that person that has shrunk down into that wine press. Or both. We need to repent from that so that we can be open. Then you think about this of getting and separating the wheat. And it's interesting when you think about the word separate. Jesus warned Peter, he told him this. He said, Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me, like chaff from wheat. Simon, I pray for you in particular that you not give in or give out. When you have come through the time of testing, turn to your companions and give them a fresh start. That's taken from the Message Bible. I love how he said that. The enemy is trying his best to separate you from Jesus. He's trying to get you to feel alone. He's trying to beat you down. Remember how the chaff is separated from the wheat, and it's done by beating it out. And so what's happening here is that in our lives is that the enemy is trying to separate us from the one who loves us. He's trying to, trying to just beat us down, right? Beat you against the wall. Beat and beat and beat until you feel like that Jesus isn't there with you anymore. And so speaking of Mother's Day, there are some moms who feel so alone. I'm not going to call you out, moms, but I believe that there are moms that feel so alone. And their workload is so hard. And they just feel like that they're just so alone in doing this workload. They feel like that, that there's no, nothing or nobody around there for them. And they feel like that, you know, maybe they can't get any rest. You know, like, like they just can't get any sleep. Like it's like, oh, am I ever going to sleep? The answer is no. 
I look at Andrea and I'm like, Dale, I'm so sorry. Your son is 28 and you're still not getting any sleep. <laughs> right, bud? Right, bud? <laughs> That's right, Gabriel. That's right, you too, good. So I just want to encourage you today, moms, is for the moms who are worn out, the moms who are struggling with loneliness, the ones who feel like uh, maybe they'll never get sleep again, that the enemy is trying his best to separate you. But you're not separated. Because what does he say? I prayed for you in particular. Hold on to that now. I prayed for you. That's what Jesus said. I prayed for you in particular. So that when you feel alone, when you feel like that you can't get a rest, when you feel so beaten down that there's nothing left, just know that Jesus, I prayed for you. You know, when you think about that word interceding, and Jesus, we're told that Jesus intercedes for us, right? That he's our intercessor. That he is constantly interceding. When you think about that word interceding, is what you're doing is you're putting yourself into somebody else's shoes. So if I'm interceding for you, and I'm asking God, like, I don't need to intercede for you. Like, I'm literally asking for me to be put in your shoes so I could feel exactly what you're feeling. And to think about that, Jesus, the Lord, the Creator, the God, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, that He says that He is interceding for you. Like that he's saying, I'm putting myself in your shoes so that I can really pray for you. That's what he's saying here, is that don't worry about it because I prayed for you. Doesn't that just bring you comfort? That the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, has been praying for you. So you are not alone. You are not alone. So we have Gideon having some alone time in the wine press reading the week. Sometimes... I don't know about for you guys, but you get into five bits, you know, and maybe you put on your, your earphones, you know, and you just start rocking out something, and, and you're just in this project, like, you know, like I said, coming up on yard work, like you're getting the yard work, and you're just doing that. How many of you just get lost in spots? I, I know for myself, I'm just lost, right? I just get lost in spots, and I just start thinking about all these different things, and sometimes it's the best time to think, isn't it? When you're just working, you're just doing your thing, and, and so I can picture that this time of getting... He's just doing his work, and he's alone with his thoughts, and he's thinking about this. Why is God allowing this to happen to me and my people? You ever get lost in those thoughts? Like, God, how, how did I even end up here? Like, what is going on here? Like, like, how did this happen? And so then all of a sudden, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him. So I love how it talks about how the angel of the Lord is just chilling out by a sermon tree. And now all of a sudden, he just appears in the wine press with Gideon. And then he says this, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of God. And I believe that today, so many of us need to be reminded of this. First off, how the Lord is with us. He's with you in that wine press. Like, you feel like that you're alone, you're not alone, the Lord is with you in that wine before each one of the callings in my life, before the Lord just sends me out to do something else that's crazy, I always know that he's with me. Like, he reminds me of that time and time again, like, Gee, I'm going to be with you on this one. Gee, I'm going to be with you on this one. Lord, are you sure you're going to be with me on this one? Yes, I'm going to be with you on this one. So he always reminds me that he's going to be with me on whatever it is. And I know why he does that, and I know why he does that for you, is because you know that you can't handle it without him. And so he has to remind you that he's going to be with you because whatever he's sending to you, you two, it's going to be crazy, right? Remember in the beginning, as soon as you answer that call, what's going to happen? Is your life is going to get stirred up. It's going to get very unsettled, isn't it? So you have to have the Lord with you. 
And the second part is this, is that something many of us have a hard time hearing. But he says this, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. I want you guys to take a second and put your hands up and just call them up. Blank, you're a mighty man of woman of valor. Okay, so on the count of three, you just say your name and you say it very loud. Okay, one, two, three. Yeah. Jim, you are a mighty man of valor. You guys need to hear that again? One more time? All right, one more time on the country. One, two, three. Jay, you are a mighty man of valor. I think we need to hear that. I really do. I think that sometimes we need to hear that. The valor is strength. Valor is wealth. Valor is like this army that just comes behind you. And so how can Gideon be called this by the Lord? I think about this, and this is kind of why I start off with this. Going back to the choices. Is that Joash could have stayed on the east side, but he chose to go to the west side. He didn't choose to stay in a settled spot. He chose to get unsettled and go and continue on. Then you think about Gideon, who was down there in the wine press, doing this work for his family, threshing on this wheat, making sure that his family would be taken care of. And whatever other things that Gideon was doing that maybe were the untold things, because of this, I believe, the angel of the Lord comes and tells him, like, you're a mighty man, like, I see everything behind the scenes. Do you guys realize that? Like, you may be doing all these things behind the scenes, especially for moms. Like, moms are so unnoticed because they're doing a thousand things behind the scenes that none of us see. Have you ever tried to, like, just follow a mom around for a day, man? It's like, you're worn out. You know, that's why men need their afternoon naps if they try to hang out with their women. You know, it's like, oh, man, it's too much work. Because we're doing all these behind-the-scenes things that nobody sees. Because we're a mighty woman of valor. And if you're that mom, then God's going to bless you. He's going to send you, like, just these greatest things. He's going to have you do these greatest things. And I love how, how Gideon, how Gideon has such a humble heart. And so Jesus comes to encourage him. I believe that so many moms just have such humble hearts that they need these words of affirmation, that they need to hear these words. So moms, you may think that you're just raising your kids like you're just eating the wheat. But there's so much more that you're doing. I mean, have you ever thought about like maybe raising next Billy Graham? You know, have you ever thought about that? Maybe you're raising the next Corey Moon. You know, you gotta think about those things. And so the Lord is telling you today, I'm with you, you mighty mom of valor. Right? You mighty mom of valor. So then Gideon goes and tells the Lord how he feels. And I think so many of us are afraid to tell the Lord how we feel, right? I think about those two guys on the road to Emmaus, you know, that they're hanging out with Jesus. They don't realize that they're talking to Jesus. And they're, like, telling Jesus all these things, like, man, this, this stuff just sucks. You know, like, we thought that this Jesus was this, and we thought that this Jesus was that, and then they hung on the cross and died. And, you know, and they're just going on and on. I wonder if they really realized that they were hanging out with Jesus, if they would have really been talking like that. Because I think that so many of us, we don't really want to tell Jesus how we feel. We don't really want to be open with him like, like how Gideon was. Like, okay, Lord, if you're with us, if you're with me, then why has all this happened? Lord, if you are really love me, and if you're really interceding for me like you say, then why is all this junk going on in my life? Like, Lord, why isn't my life perfect if you are really with me? Like, that's what Gideon is saying. Like, okay, if you're really with us, then why is this happening? And really, all those miracles and stuff, all those things that we heard about you, what happened to those? And I think about that too. 
I mean, I can't tell you how many people that I've heard from. Like, yep, I was there in the days of the tent revival. I'm like, awesome. But what about today? You know? Like, is God still going to move today like he did back in the book of Acts? Amen. When you read about that. When you read about that power just coming on. And people just getting saved and getting changed and just getting so full of the spirit that they're just so involved. You ever think about that? Like, why is that not happening today? You ever complain to God about that? Because I do. God, why can't we have this movement today that happened back then? Why can't we have this Timory Bible that we read about happen today? Why can't we see these miracles that happen then happen today? Why is that, Lord? You see, I complain sometimes to God about this, and I open up my heart to God about this. What about you? Are you honest with God with how you're feeling? I love this. I love, I love the fact that I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody like that, and if you've ever complained to somebody like that, and all of a sudden you get in this big old huge theological debate. Well, Jay, let's just sit down and let's just talk about this. You know, see, back then this all happened, and the reason why this all happened was because of this, and then you start getting this big study, this big debate, and you're like, boring. I want to know why it's not happening now. I don't want to get in this big old theological debate. And I love how Jesus doesn't get into this debate. He doesn't. What does he do? Is he listens to what he says, and then he says, and then it says here that the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Can I ask you something today? Is are you ready to go in the might that God has given you? Are you going to be one that just complains? Why can't this happen? Why can't that happen? Why is this going on? Why is that going on? And you have all this stirring in your heart of all the things that aren't happening. And maybe God is putting all those things in your heart because he wants you to be that mighty person to go in that strength. Just like how he tells Gideon. Okay, Gideon, you're going to complain to me about all these things. Well, guess what? I'm going to send you. Think about if that happens to you. Right? Each complaint that you say, God says, okay, I'm going to send you to do this. I'm going to send you to And you're like, whoa. I have like this list of a thousand things I've complained about, and God's going to send me out to do those thousand things. Well, either one is you're going to get really busy, or two is you're going to quit complaining, right? Because you're not going to want to get sent out to do all these things because you don't have time to do those thousand things that you have on your list of complaints. So, are you willing to go out in His might? Are you willing to go out? So where does the stirring really start? Does it start like when he calls you? Or does it start when you answer? That's the question for us today. Are you ready to answer that time that he's been stirring in your heart? Are you ready to continue forward with what he's called you to do? So for moms, I just really want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you that this could be the best mom that you could possibly be. And I know that the patience works with pain because I know that the kids, whether they're little kids or grown kids, I know that the patience can wear really thin. But moms are so valuable and so important in the family of Jesus Christ. They really are. They're so important. Let's go ahead and stand up and let's pray and close the God. So moms can go out and celebrate. All right, go ahead.
Grab your neighbor's hand. Give each other a stick. <laughs> Make sure you lick your hand first. Uh, <laughs>